Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. It is going to be, once again, a wonderful day. I've been working on this all day. Rosie and I have got quite a plan for you today. Dr. Alex McFarland is going to be joining me in just a minute. And then Brian Kluth is going to be coming on the program. We're going to talk about pastor appreciation, which is an easy thing to do. So let's uh, start by appreciating a pastor, and that would be Dr. Alex McFarland. He's a regular guest on the show. He's an apologist, an author, and an all-around great guy. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill. It's good to be with you again. Yeah, it's been a busy week. We've had some interesting shows this week. I'm always glad that I've got you as a cleanup batter on Friday every other week. <laughs> because it You're is... So kind. It, no, I'm serious, because sometimes the, there's a need for some further discussion on some topics, and uh, you bring such a great um, perspective always. So I always appreciate you and uh, what you bring to the show. So thank you for that in advance. Well... And if I, if I, if I, yeah, thank you. If I may, I would love to talk about a a question that a a viewer posed that I never really got to all week. And I thought, you know, Alex would handle this. This is kind of a bigger question, but they were confused with the words righteousness, justice, and equity. Wow. Um, those are great words. I agree. Uh, I'm assuming, uh, these probably were raised in the context of some theological discussion or yeah the difference was what? the difference between the church's view and and what is understood in society oh yeah exactly do you know what bill i just came from an art gallery and it's interesting among the paintings there was a portrait of one of the founders alexander hamilton who talked a lot about social justice. And we'll circle back to that here in a minute, maybe. But, you know, basically, in the context of of revealed Scripture, God's Word, um, righteousness refers to God's holiness, the fact that God is thoroughly, pervasively holy. Everything God does is appropriate and correct and and wise and good and true because God is, is righteous in a way that relates to his eternality. Uh, And I'd like to come back to that too, but uh, righteousness refers to God's thorough holiness and goodness. And justice uh, refers to uh, what is in harmony with God's moral nature. Something is just if it's reflective of God's, God's moral nature, which is upright and, and true. Something is unjust or immoral when it is out of conformity. You know, the catechism says, you know, sin is any want of conformity to God's nature and God's will. So something is unjust when it runs counter to God's will and God's nature and God's purposes. And uh, what was the third word that was asked about? Equity. You know, equity 
is the true value of something. It's interesting. In Proverbs, um, there's a line that says, uh, teach thy servant equity. Now, you know, when we think about a house, let's say a house is worth um, $300,000, but you owe $150,000. So your equity is $150,000. The true amount that you have is your equity. Proverbs 2, 9 talks about, you know, if we seek wisdom and seek God, and Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we fear God and know God and receive his truth, then we can know equity. Something, you know, the true worth of something is equity. For instance, um, the true worth of life is to know Jesus Christ, the Savior. And in that regard, Bill, I would say a lot of people are are not thinking equitably because they think, well, life is about fame or pleasure or power or money or, you know, get all you can get because then you die. Um, They're going after things that really don't represent worth or equity. So true equity is to... uh, to know and embrace the, the the worth of something. And obviously the highest worth of life is to, to know Christ. Now I know I'm being wordy here, but can I can I come back to a couple of things? Please. One of which is righteousness and the other is this art gallery in Arkansas. Hmm. <laughs> okay. God is righteous. God is just. And that refers to his eternality. And I'm gonna explain why. Because um, sin brings death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And I've had people say to me, sometimes, Bill, they'll say, well, you know, I would rather go to hell than heaven because hell is where all my friends are going to be. You know, heaven's going to be boring, saints sitting up on a cloud, and hell is where all the, you know, the musicians, the rock and rollers, hell is where the interesting people is going to be. Well, that's a very flawed view of eternity because in in hell there is no light or life. It's only darkness. Now, sin, among other things, if you ask people what is sin, they would say, well, it's missing the mark or it's something contrary to God's nature, and that's true. But according to the Bible, scholars would say sin leads to death, but sin is that which tends toward non-being. In other words, for something to be thoroughly given over to sin, it is just nothingness. In other words, if it's like if you had a coat hanger that is 100% rusted away, what would you have left? Nothing. Okay. God's eternality, the fact that God exists forever, God could never not exist. Exodus um 314, the voice from the burning bush said, I am that I am. That refers to the fact that it is God's nature to exist. And part of God's eternality is that he is thoroughly, pervasively righteous and just. In God is no death at all. So that's the part of the reason I'm saying that is it is in our best interest to pursue righteousness and justice because therein 
is life. The farther we get from God's truth and God's righteousness, the more we're on to the pathway of death. And you look at our culture, you know, that people, scholars talk about the death of the Western world. Sometimes they'll even talk about the death of America. And the farther we've gotten away from God's truth, God's moral law, God's righteousness, the more we've descended into anarchy and chaos. So uh, we've not set ourselves free, Bill. We've really made ourselves bound and one last thing, speaking about justice, I, um, I'm out here in Arkansas, and a lot of people don't know this, but Walmart has an art museum. I'm in Rogers, Arkansas to speak at a youth event tonight, Bill, and uh, uh, ben- Bentonville, Fayetteville, Rogers, Arkansas, it's a, kind of three cities in one, and that's the headquarters of Walmart. And I mean, like everything in this town has Walmart all over it. Well, they have an art museum. I I learned today Sam Walton's daughter, Alice, collected art. They've got this big art museum called Crystal Bridges. And there are many famous historic paintings in there that the Walton family have collected, one of which is a painting of Alexander Hamilton, who was uh, one of the founders, wrote many of the Federalist Papers, all right, Bill, have you heard people use the phrase social justice? Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you think of when you hear that nowadays? You know, social justice. We want social justice. What, what, what do you think of if you hear that phrase? I think of a collective movement towards some specific purpose. Uh, good, yeah, good, good answer. It is kind of a collective movement, the social justice movement means a few things, generally leftist causes, um, but overall, one of the assumptions of the social justice movement is the, the erasure of moral boundaries. In other words, you can't say marriage is between a man and a woman, that's socially unjust. You can't say abortion is wrong because a woman should have the right to cho- choose. So here's my point. The guy who coined the phrase social justice was Alexander Hamilton. And Alexander Hamilton in the Federalist Papers, which were a series of essays written to persuade Connecticut to ratify the Constitution. They were so well written and so pervasive and persuasive, rather, that they were circulated all up and down the coast and Many of the colonies were moved to embrace the Constitution. And Alexander Hamilton, you know, was um, very, very influential, a legal scholar. And um, when he wrote about social justice, he said in the Federalist Papers, we will only have a just society if we're based on the laws of God. In other words, social justice, equity— and liberty for all begins when we live by the Ten Commandments of God. And my point being, one of the words you asked me to speak about was justice. We're living in a time right now where people are demanding something that will leave us with an unjust society. 
In other words, no rules, no boundaries, no morals. I'll do whatever I want to do. All right, if we go that route, what we're going to have is anarchy. And ironically, you know, uh, when Hamilton said we must have a socially just society, he said, and the way to get that is if every institution from the government down to Main Street were committed to live by the moral law of God. Nowadays, people use social justice 180 degrees opposite of that, a society with no accountability, no rules, no boundaries. So we're living in a time where people don't know the righteousness of God. They're certainly not living very just lives, and we really don't know the equity, the true value of life, this country. We're going for things that are not equitable because we really don't know the value of of life and truth. I just have to let my listeners know I gave Alex zero advance warning on this. This is what he responds with. Amazing. Let me take a little break. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. You can head to alexmcfarland.com. alexmcfarland.com. Be right back. Dr. Alex McFarland, thank you, Alex, for that answer that you uh, gave to our listeners and to us. It was uh, quite quite wonderful. I appreciate that. Uh, in Psalm 103, verse 6, it says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Amen. I love that. Amen. Yeah. I, I love that, too. And, and you know, that's one of the reasons I'm really not worried, because ultimately, God is going to make everything work out. Yeah. And... You know, one of the beautiful things is that, I mean, it's a complicated world. I mean, there's billions <laughs> of people. They've, uh, some are walking with Jesus. Some are opposing Jesus. You know, it's, it's a wild world with many details we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. And yet, God is going to, w- without compromising his nature, without contradicting his word, without overriding our free will, God is going to make righteousness prevail. His plan for history will play out. And, you know, the good news is uh, every person can open their heart to Christ and be saved, be forgiven, be part of God's great plan. Not only get a home in heaven, but you're going to get rewards in heaven for walking with the Lord, growing in the Lord, uh, witnessing serving the Lord. I mean, not only is God going to give you life if you'll put your faith in Jesus, uh, God will give you all sorts of blessing and crowns in heaven for, yes, obeying him and following him. But it's like God is saying, hey, just let me bless you. Uh, Let me lead you in this life. Follow my roadmap for living. And plus, once you get to heaven, I'll give you all sorts of rewards for having done it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there is nothing 
there's no way to lose here if you will embrace Jesus Christ. I mean, his plans will work out and his blessings on his followers will be immeasurable. We did have, Alex, some emotionally laced topics this week, so I'm going to continue to uh, ask you to do some uh, some clarification and some further discussion on some things that got a little emotional this week. And one sure, thing you sure. said uh, in the first segment is the, the wages of sin is death. Of course, that's right. I think from Romans 3. But it seems yeah. that there is a more of a progressive movement where they now talk more of a corporate sin than an individual sin. We have the sin of of systemic racism or the sin of environmental uh, ruin or so we've got these corporate sins, but we don't talk necessarily as much about individual sin where we need a savior. And that's what we do on faith radio. Yeah. God bless you. And that's one of the reasons I, I love your network, and I I so respect you as a thinker and communicator, Bill, is because you do give truly biblically informed positions. Uh, You know, and and let me say this, biblically, there are are examples of repercussions for corporate wrongs. Um, Yeah, I think about um, Proverbs 14.34 says, righteousness exalts a nation but sin is a reproach to any people. I mean, sin can impact a culture negatively. The Bible says the wicked shall be turned to hell and all the nations that forget God. And it, the wicked will be turned to, you know, the grave. And nations that forget God will, can go out of existence, you know, Psalm nine seventeen. But But fundamentally, fundamentally, the most, pervasive, most common, and and really the default take on sin from the Word of God is that sin is a personal issue between an individual and the Lord. All right, Genesis 2.17, God told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. In the English translations of Genesis 2.17, it'll say, in the day that you eat thereof, you will die. What's very interesting is uh, the the Hebrew really, really says, in dying, you shall die. In other words, there is the implication of not only physical death, but but the risk of spiritual death. Um, If you are to die in a state of unaddressed sin, unresolved sin, you will be spiritually dead. That's why you mentioned, um, you know, Romans 6.23 Okay, Romans 3.23 mm-hmm. says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Then Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. And I want to say this, folks. Um, it doesn't change reality that many with an agenda have co-opted Christian terminology. They'll say, okay, well, there's the corporate sin of, you know, un." You know, injustice against the environment because big evil corporations have polluted the world. There's the sin of racism. You know, why? Because uh, the country, you know, had slavery. All right. God doesn't really look at it that way. Now, society should do that which is right and just. But at the judgment seat of Christ, 
believers are going to be given rewards for having served the Lord faithfully. At the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20 and Matthew 25, because um, in the Bible, in, in Matthew 25, really 35 through 41, you've got what's called the judgment of the nations. The sheep and the goat will be judged, and the sheep are believers, and the goats are non-believers. Then in Revelation 20, 11 through 15, you've got the, the great white throne where the, the unbelieving multitudes throughout history uh, will be thrown in the lake of fire. This is the Word of God. And folks, you've got to understand Matthew 25 and Revelation 20, the, the, the lost that are consigned to an eternity without God has nothing to do with the environment, nothing to do with racism, nothing to do with uh, homophobia. It's all that they died in a state of sin and unbelief, not having received Christ. And it's individual, not corporate. Mm -hmm. So do, do not be misled, folks. Don't let anybody try to get you to believe sin and salvation is about uh, any of the leftist causes de jour. It's about whether or not we've been born again and our sin washed away through a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Alex, we only have a couple of minutes left, but safe to say there are probably solid believers in most mainline denominations and people who are unsaved in most denominations and as believers, we have to have the discernment because we have to be careful how we describe people and how we, um, you know, even talk about people. Because there's people who are clearly not followers of Jesus that label themselves as Christians. And there's no fruit and there's actually a, a willful disobedience to God's, God's moral law that's evident in their life. Yeah, and you know there was there was a Sri Lankan evangelist named D. T. Niles N. I. L. E. S. There's a very famous quote. I'm sure you've heard of it. Called, uh, it says what evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Right. And I've heard that that quote attributed to a lot of people. But it, this uh, evangelist from Sri Lanka died back in 1970. Uh, D, uh, Daniel Niles, uh, he said that evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason I say that is because um, we preachers sometimes get up on a high horse and we pontificate, and certainly I've been guilty of that. Yeah. But I'm just a saved sinner. Yeah. And uh, you and me both. We who have Christ need to point those who need Christ yeah. to Him. Blessings, Alex, on your event tonight. May God be with you as you you. share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being on the show. Bless you, my friend. You bet. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. Head to alexmcfarland.com. Learn more about Alex. Take a little break. When we come back, Brian Kluth is going to be coming on talking about pastor appreciation. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the afternoon. 
It's always a smart idea to bless your pastor and the staff at your church. It's always always something that should be on the top of your mind because they are they work so hard and they're they're to be appreciated and valued and I've got Brian Cluth in my studio and he's got a a list of 50 creative ways to bless your pastor and staff. So We've got 30 minutes, and I think we can cover all 50. That's my guess. Brian, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, great to be on with you and your listeners. We're excited to talk to you today. If you've got a pastor, we want to encourage you to love them well, your the staff well. You know what? They really, really need the encouragement these days. It's been a tough the last year. 15, 16 months. No kidding. Yes, really hard. Yeah. Yep. They've, they've had to transition to be an online church, and mm-hmm. you know, technically everyone's had to up their game. And yeah. you're on a currently on a hundred city tour promoting this, and this is city ten out of a hundred. Yes. And I'm already car sick just hearing about this. <laughs> well, we're not in a car, we're in an RV. And my wife's the driver. She <laughs> hates my driving and so yeah. do I. Okay. <laughs> so you share that in common. <laughs> yes, we, 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 we are we do agree that I'm a terrible driver. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're going to 100 cities. I've never been to 100 cities in a row, but uh, we're going to do 65 this summer from now to the middle of July, and then southern states this fall, and then next year northern and western. That's great, because this is such an important topic and subject, and that... Um, I'd love to. I'd love to get a little sample, a little taste of creative ways to be blessing your pastor and staff. And then I also want to point people to the. Is it blessyourpastor.org slash one two three? Yeah, blessyourpastor.org will give you a document called Easy as One Two Three yep. to bless your pastor and staff. And uh, and when you do that, this is the really cool part. We, uh, my organization, we have a million dollars to give away. To pastors, whoa, and we're whoa, doing wait, it really? by way of gift cards. What about bless your bless your radio host? <laughs> bless one, your two, radio three. host. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we've given away a half a million dollars in gift cards, and we have, and we have a hundred dollar gift cards for the next five thousand pastors. Fantastic. Yeah. So all right, this this got real exciting all of a sudden. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So let's let's talk about some ways that we can creatively bless pastors and staff. Yeah, well, one is, and most people would never think of this, but uh, I was a pastor for 10 years, and I wrote this little flyer based on my experiences, but I had a woman that said, Pastor, how can I pray for you? And I, you know, I kind of gave her a few ideas. She said, no, 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 I want to know how can I pray for you? And together, we developed a list of 16 ways to pray for your pastor. Pray for his you know, parenting, pray for his marriage, pray for his study time, pray for his friendships, pray for his finances, pray for his walk with God. So just how to pray for your pastor. So in the 50 ways, we have 16 ways to pray for your pastor. And yes, a lot of people say, oh, Lord, bless the pastor. But how do you specifically pray? And that was one of the things on the list. And I, you know what? As a pastor, I appreciated that. I I knew that that woman was praying for me every day, and I knew what she was praying. And just knowing that I had someone kind of covering my back, uh, spiritually speaking, uh, meant a lot to me. So mm-hmm. that's that's one of the, the some of the things on the list is how to pray. What are you learning about pastors today? Are they are they burned out? Are they de- they're definitely in need of of this uh, blessing love. and some love and some <laughs> yeah. prayer always. Yeah, always. But what are you discovering? Yeah, well, what, what you've had the last 15 months is no matter what decision they made, people were mad at them. 
if they didn't if they didn't have services, people were mad. If they did have services, people were mad. If they if they required masks, people were mad. If they didn't require masks, so it's been a long 15, 16 months of trying to be a leader, shepherding your flock, and your flock is divided on what's the right thing to do, and so it's been really tough. And then they also had to just learn things they've never learned. You know, they got they, you know found out in March there was no church service for months, and suddenly to try to develop online materials and then how do you counsel people how do you visit people and then suddenly there were funerals that there was no funeral i mean the people needed care and love and they couldn't even celebrate a funeral so probably the most gut-wrenching life experience for a pastor has been in the last 15 months and so uh it's been hard and so the, the when and when i and i found this as a pastor when when I when people loved me and cared for me well, I could deal with the negative people, you know. Uh, but when all you're getting is the negative, that's hard. But when you're feeling the love of some people that step up and care for you and love you and do things for you that are special, then you can you can handle you can weather those more difficult people. Uh, I call them EGR, extra grace required. Every church has them. EGR people, extra grace required. But when you're loved well, then it's much easier. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you're getting calls during the show because that's how busy you are. A hundred yeah. cities, hundreds, going to a hundred cities. You got to take. If you want to, matter of fact, if you want to take that call, you can. That's my son-in-law calling. I wonder what he. What wants. does he want? Uh, well, let's put him on. Related, yeah, right? it's got, of course he is. Is he a pastor? <laughs> he's not. A okay. Pastor. He, but he's a mechanic, and I told him he's not. He was, he's not a Christian, and I said, you know, mechanics should be the biggest, the greatest prayers in in the whole wide world. Why is that? And he and he and he said, why is that? I said, well, the Bible says we're to call a upon the Lord in their day of trouble. And every day you got trouble. You're trying to figure out yeah. how to work on cars. And I said, you should be the best prayer in the whole city. <laughs> <laughs> so across the board, are, yes. do you think pastors and staff are are compensated properly? Uh, the, the sad answer is no. Okay. Uh, majority of pastors uh, are would be making under 50000 a year, anywhere 20s, 30s, 40s, okay. sometimes into the 50s, 60%, no benefits, mm-hmm. so no health care, uh, no in retirement. Uh, a lot of times, even like if a pastor takes someone to lunch, uh, in a good situation, they should be able to reimburse by the church, but the, some churches don't reimburse. So for a lot of pastors, the financial strain is real, but they can't tell anybody because if they try to talk about it, it sounds like they're greedy. They, they don't feel like they're trusting God enough. Uh, it's a very, so they, so pastor families suffer in silence. And, and, and the other thing is they work a lot. So, you know, I, I had a, uh, a little boy I knew and, and we're, his mother asked him one day, what did he want to be when he grew up? He was about eight or nine. And he said, well, I'd either want to be a garbage man or a pastor. <laughs> and, she, and she said, why? And he said, well, garbage men work on only one day a week on Thursdays and pastors only work on oh, Sunday. Funny. <laughs> I love that story. So anyway, uh, th- so with pastors, though, the reality is, is they're working 50 to 70 hours a week. Uh, is normal. Uh, their their spouse is probably adding another twenty to thirty hours a week, so ninety to a hundred 
you know, 80, 90, 100 hours a week and and not compensated well because most churches are small, have mm-hmm. small budgets. So that's why the Bless Your Pastor is so important because it's it's about caring for your pastor, not about the budget. It's what can you personally do? Like, for example, you know, I'm in an RV. I'm gone for two and a half months. I call my pastor and I said, hey, while, while I'm gone, do you need my car? And he said, yeah, we're down to one car. I said, you know what? My wife has an SUV. You can have it. So that blessed him, right? I mean, I totally, didn't need it. Totally. Totally blessed him. He yep. suddenly had a car. He's not paying insurance on it. He can just drive it. He's got it. So I told him when I come home, I said, when I come back home, I said, you can use my RV. He's got two boys, four, or five and six. We're going to give you our RV for a week or weekend, whatever you want. So that's a blessing to them. So mm-hmm. when we learn to open our hands and share what we have with our pastor uh, and staff, it just changes everything. They feel so loved and blessed and cared for. And as a pastor, I would have Dennis take care of my teeth and my family or someone would cut my hair or somebody would fix my car, somebody would cut my grass. When people do things for you, oh, my goodness, it just it just takes the burden, lifts and lightens the burden. Mm-hmm. So, boy, those those acts of invitation. Can I swing by and cut your lawn if you're going to be gone yeah. for two months? Yeah. Can I take care of these certain things in your, your life? I understand that the pastor would consider that to be a pretty welcome invitation. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. absolutely. Uh, because it because they can't ask for it, but when it's offered, boy, what a, what a help. And then the other one, this is one anybody can do, and I will guarantee you this will bless your pastor. Okay, you're going through the grocery line, and you walk by the gift cards. Pick one up for your pastor or your staff member. <laughs> uh, could be for a restaurant, mm-hmm. could be for gas, could be for groceries, uh, you know, could be for online shopping, Amazon. If you give your pastor a gift card and a little note, hey, we love you, we're praying for you, we're grateful for you, they will feel so loved and blessed. Uh, I had a wife with cancer. Uh, she's now in heaven. And uh, eight-year cancer journey. People used to give us gift cards to restaurants and I literally would pick up the kids from, from middle school, and we'd have four or five inches of gift cards. <laughs> we would say, where do we want to eat tonight? Nice. Because then she didn't have to shop. She mm-hmm. didn't have to prep. She didn't have to clean up. We could just go as a family, get something to eat. And, oh, what a blessing that was to our family to just have that kind of love and care. It was, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. And gestures like if you can offer your pastor um a vacation home for a week or Yeah, you got a cabin in the North Woods or North you know, northern Minnesota, central right. Minnesota. Right. Oh, huge. Yeah, yeah, so there this is just ways to get creative. Yeah. And to think, um, how can I bless the pastor? Yeah. So the thing is, what do you have? The Bible says Galatians six six, share all good things with those who instruct you. So think about your life. What are you good at? What are the good things you have? And then how can you share that with those who minister to you? And 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says, show your deep appreciation for those who minister among you. So we're to show our appreciation. So these are things that every Christian can do. You know, I had a, I had a fellow in my church. We handed out the 50 ways list to everybody in our church. And he said, well, I don't have a lot of uh, extra money. And he said, but I love working on cars. He said, would it be, he asked me this, would it be okay if I just did all the oil changes and brake <laughs> works for my for all of our church staff we have five staff 
And I said, they're going to think they died and went to heaven if you, if you, if you get them on a routine to yeah. take care of their oil and take care of their brakes. He goes, well, I could do that. I love doing that. Our staff was thrilled Not that bad. this mechanic just said, hey, you, you just come to me and I will do that for you every time. Wow. wow, what a blessing. Yeah. Brian, when you were in a, a role as a pastor, what, what would be a question or an invitation that you would get from someone that really stuck out, that really meant something? Um, what yeah. comes to mind? Well, I think there are a few things that or I really felt blessed and cared for. Uh, we, we had a situation one time where we needed to go down to South America for some ministry and to see some people, and we couldn't really quite afford it. And a guy, one of the guys at my church said, hey, I got frequent flyer points. Nice. What, whatever you need, whenever you want to fly somewhere, just talk to me. I will give you frequent flyer points. That was a huge gift to my family. We got we got down to South America, got back. Yeah. Later, we had to go back and again got tickets. That was one thing. When my wife had cancer, we were to the place we could no longer fly, and somebody said we have an RV. Okay. And the, the month before she we passed away, she had she's from Minnesota, right mm-hmm. here in Roseville. She oh, wow. grew up, you know, a mile and a half from here. And uh, somebody gave us an RV so she could go and see all of her Minnesota family and friends one last time before she died. And she had her oxygen tank. I mean, she hated my driving, too. So she had her <laughs> oxygen tank next to the, you know, next to her in the RV. And we came from Colorado to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And what a blessing that was to her yeah. before she passed away. So your trip to South America, uh, you were in cargo? Huh? That you flew in cargo, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I knew there was a hitch. There was a hitch. I knew there was a catch somewhere. Yeah. All right. Um, Brian Kluth is my guest. We're going to take a break, but go to blessyourpastor.org, and you can get a copy of this uh, Blessing Your Pastor as easy as one, two, three, lots of creative ideas. And you can also um, uh, register to get your pastor uh, eligible for a nice gift, right? $100 gift card. Yep. We'll take a short break. Be right back. Brian Kluth, bless your pastor. Fifty ways, creative ways to bless your pastor and staff. Brian, let's tell the audience again where to go. Blessyourpastor.org. Yeah, blessyourpastor.org. Get the easy as one, two, three document, and yep. you'll have everything you and your church needs to bless your pastor and staff. You can do it any time of the year. Uh, the official program starts in August, and a lot of a lot of churches will do this for October Pastor Appreciation Month. But get the material now, and then you'll be way ahead of the game. Uh, so blessyourpastor.org. Easy as mm-hmm. one, two, three. Yeah. We don't want our pastors and staff to get burned out, but they do work so hard. Yeah. What do you recommend for uh, getting a pastor, maybe a little sabbatical? Yeah. And how, the, uh, how important are they? And so I think a few things. That? One is if, is if your pastor can have a day off that he can normally count on and the, and the church knows that. Uh, it's like Monday's your day off. Monday's a day off or something and really honoring, honoring some grace and space uh, is one thing. 
Uh, the other thing, uh, I've been a, I was a pastor for 10 years, and over the years I've been in ministry all my life. And every seventh year I had a sabbatical. And a sabbatical wasn't a whole year, but it was a, it was part of a year where the leadership of my organization or my church said, I had time off. So at my church, it was three months. So I was given three months off, and then they made arrangements. We made arrangements for preaching and all of that. So if you're in leadership, you know, if your pastor's been there for three, four, five, six years or more, I would bring up the whole concept of a sabbatical. You pastors just get tired. I remember, you know, I when I went on the sabbatical, it was three months. The first month, I just slept. <laughs> I just slept. Yeah, oh, I had yeah. no no duties. I had nothing I had to get up for. No meetings. No mm-hmm. six a.m. meetings. No evening meetings. No weekends. And I slept for a month. And then my family and I we did a, a twenty state RV trip, just my family and I, uh, and we really really enjoyed it. Another another season of my life. Uh, they, the, I was uh, working with a nonprofit ministry, and they said you can take off all morning for a year. Just come in in the afternoon. But for a whole year, I had mornings off. Wow. And uh, that was something. But you think creatively, but if you can give a pastor that kind of grace and space, time to renew, time to reflect, time to refocus, time to rest, time to recreate, I, all these R words. Yeah, I like that. Uh, time to, you know, to reprioritize. Uh, it's a huge gift. And when a pastor knows that they have that coming, that, you know, that the leadership has talked about it and we want to give you this, boy, that makes such a difference. Yeah. yeah. So, Brian, let's say you're, you're pastoring, you, you deliver this sermon you worked on for 20, 30 hours. You've had an exhausting 70-hour week, right? Yeah, yeah. You've done some weddings and funerals. You've been busy. And you've got this now. You've preached two or three uh, sermons on Sunday. What What is the, the most rewarding thing you can hear from your your congregation? I say the most rewarding thing is when someone can express specifically something in the message. You know, that story you told about that young girl and boy, that really touched my heart. When okay. you can pick out something in the message Specific that was said. Versus great message. Yeah, yeah, great great message, Pastor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, you hear a lot of that, uh-huh. but, but to hear something specific, uh, it's been interesting for me. I was with, uh, I was re- recently in Milwaukee, and there was a woman uh, that came up to me, and she hadn't uh, seen me in 35 years. And uh, and so she came up and she said, oh, Brian, I, re- I remember your message. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay, I, I was a guest speaker yeah. somewhere. And she gave me the stories from the message. Wow. 35 years later. And she and she knew exactly what I said that day and how to be generous, how to count your blessings, how to you know live and give for God, and uh, what did that bless me? I mean, thirty five years later, you remember what I said? I went in Africa one time, and someone said, "I heard you twenty years ago talk about Daniel, and you said this, 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 and this." They, you know, twenty years later, they knew exactly what I said about how to be godly in an ungodly wow. world. So when you can articulate back to a pastor something they said in this, you know, on Sunday morning or even a month ago, you know, just really affirming them specifically about a message that ministered to you, 
that always, always really blesses them. And any, anything written also, any card, any note, any text, any email. They get emails, but they're normally someone complaining about something to say, hey, you know, I really felt God was anointed you on Sunday and you ministered so well. And that passage, you really did a great job. It helped me and my family. We had good conversations afterwards. Anything you can do to articulate your appreciation uh, is, is a great thing to do. Uh, that I'm sure goes a long way. Yeah, yeah really. It's really important. Um, let's talk about food. Food, yes. Yeah. Do pastors want to be invited to people's houses for dinner? Do they want food dropped off at their house or neither? Uh, it's, it's a multiple, multiple answers. All right. So one, uh, yes, it's nice when someone just invites us over, not for an agenda, but just for friendship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I appreciate it when people would do that. Uh, the, I, there was one, but there was a person in our church that had a rule in their life. This is a great rule. If he ever saw a pastor in a restaurant, he, and he, he even if he wasn't sitting with the pastor, right. he picked up the tab. That's a sweet idea. Yeah. No matter what. So the pastor's there with their own family. The pastor goes to pay. They said, Oh, the bill's already taken care of. Wow. That's now lovely. bringing food, that's a little trickier. So when my wife had cancer, people started bringing us food. All right. Some of the food is really good mm-hmm. and some of the food not so good. Mm-hmm. So I really had was caught on how do you appreciate someone's gift of food when my kids didn't eat it or they didn't like it. So here was my line. They'd say, Pastor, how'd you like your food? I said, you know what? Food like that, food like that doesn't last long in our house. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I could say that completely sincere. Yeah. And they would say, oh, thank you so much. But 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 that's where the gift cards came in, where because we actually got so much food we couldn't we had nowhere to go with it. Yeah, right. People were dropping off food, 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 and yeah. it was we still had my wife still had to heat it up, still had met you know had the dishes and all that, and then we just someone said, well, would it be better if we just brought gift cards? Mm-hmm. And they started bringing us gift cards, and that that was for. For eight years of her cancer journey, we never ran out of gift cards for, oh, for wow. restaurants. That's really amazing. And it was amazing. Taco Bell. It was the pizza place. Yeah. It was the Italian place. It was Olive Garden. Yeah. You, know, it, you know, it was McDonald's. Didn't matter. But we had the stack of gift cards, you know, and it it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful for my wife and I and my family to be able to do that. And gift cards can deliver and 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 you and, and the the meal's taken care of, and you did a good job, and you didn't have to prep anything, and the pastor feels loved, and the and the family. Should we be prepared to graciously allow our pastor or church staff to decline anything that we offer? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And not take it too personally. Not take it too personally, right? Yep. Uh, so when I was, uh, so I had a furnished home, a, a vacation rental home, uh, and we were selling it. So I said to my pastor, I said, Pastor. It's a fully furnished home. You can go in and have anything you want, anything you want in the house. There's, I mean, washer, dryer, you know, couches, chairs, dining room, you know, dressers, bedroom sets. Everything was there. And he walked through and he took the foosball table. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so I, I was not offended. Yeah. You know that you know because some people want to give you their junk. Yeah. You know, and hey, pastor, I got this junk. Well, you know, if it was your junk to you, it's gonna be junk to them. But there's other times where you may have something really of value, and you can offer to them, and they and give them the grace to sometimes say, you know, no, they're sure. in decline or doesn't it doesn't meet a need they have. So that you need to be able to do that, or you you know, you ask to take them somewhere, and they really prefer not to. Uh, but I've known people that have taken pastors on a cruise. Oh, nice. You know, they've gone on a cruise and they've taken their pastor and spouse along. I I did that with a ministry leader, my wife and I, a few years ago. And boy, what a blessing to, yeah. that, to that ministry. I would have only taken the original Picasso. That, that's the only thing I would have grabbed. Yeah, just the original. Yeah, that's all. That's all. I'm not greedy. I'm not greedy at all. So we just have a minute left, uh, Brian. Let's talk once again about uh, blessyourpastor.org yep. and how people can head over there and check out. They can download this sheet that I'm holding in my hand, right. which is over 50 creative ways to bless your pastor and staff. So if you're looking for ideas, yep. here it is. It, here it is. And, and it's Easy as one, two, three. The one is distribute the 50 ways list to everybody in your church. Two is collect an appreciation offering or give a year in bonus. Three, celebrate them in some way and then let us know. And then we'll give your pastor a $100 gift card. Nice. That's all right here at blessyourpastor.org. I think a lot of people are going to head over there and check this out. Absolutely. Yeah, this is great. Great resource. And uh, I love hearing the stories, and it's always good to just hear from a pastor's perspective what we can do better and how we can be more aware and um, meet the pastor's and staff's needs. I yeah. love I love the mechanic that wants to change oils. <laughs> that, I mean, that, seriously, that is crazy generous. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I love that. Brian Clue, thank you so much for being here. Always uh, nice to, to see you, and uh, you, you told me that I was your first interview uh, as you embarked on this this project yeah, two years ago two yeah. years ago yeah that's great so. that's great so we'll take a little break and then when we come back we're going to have an encore presentation with uh, rick matson and john afonts looking forward to that if you are in the mood still and you've got a mom or a stepmom or a mentor someone in your wife maybe there's a godly woman or a coach or an aunt or somebody and you think she is the most wonderful woman ever and you want to bless her, you can go and nominate her uh, because we're blessing moms and mentors all month. And you can nominate them for a special gift set giveaway. How cool is that? You can find out lots more and you can go nominate her as early as today. You can do that at myfaithradio.com. All right, we'll take a short break. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.